It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Leader. Eurovision 2023. Are you ready? For the first time in 25 years, the competition is back on UK soil as we play host for last year's winner, Ukraine. The party atmosphere is already well underway in Liverpool, who beat out a number of other cities hoping to be the stage for the big event. Last time, Sam Ryder did the UK proud with his song Spaceman, but this year it's the turn of May Muller, who'll be hoping to win the competition, or at least a respectable finish, with her entry, I Wrote a Song. Here with me to discuss all things Eurovision and everything you need to know about the competition this year are... I'm Professor Helen Julie Miners. I'm Head of School of Arts at York St. John University. Um, I do various things. I'm a trumpeter. I'm a massive Eurovision fan. Um, I am basically spend my entire life doing music-related things. I'm Dr Paul Jordan. I'm an expert in Eurovision. I wrote my PhD on the politics behind the contest. A lifelong Eurovision fan as well, and I've been going to the contest since the year 2000. So the, uh, the UK has won five times, but this is actually our ninth year of hosting, because in previous years we stepped in when other countries either couldn't or would uh, chose not to do it. So um, yeah, it's not unusual that we're picking up the reins for another country. I think it's really good we're doing that. It shows how collaborative it is. You know, Eurovision's meant to be bringing everyone together and it's exactly what it's about. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I mean, this is the first time since 1980 that the previous year's winner hasn't hosted, but these are really unprecedented circumstances. And I think it's entirely in keeping, you know, with the support that the world has given to Ukraine, especially the UK. Um, I think it's only right that we're picking up the reins. And uh, as Sam Ryder, the UK entry last year, said, it's Ukraine's party, but we're having it at our house this year. And I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. What do we know so far about the Eurovision final itself? There's going to be a Ukrainian flavour to the proceedings this year. It's a co-production between the BBC and the Ukrainian broadcaster. So there's going to be definitely a reflection of Ukraine within the broadcast. Kalush Orchestra are going to perform. They're the Ukraine's winners from last year. But we're also going to see the return of Sonia to the Eurovision stage. She's Liverpool's finest Eurovision singer. She came second 30 years ago in 1993, and she's returning to Eurovision. So I think for her, that'll be a really special moment. Uh, but there's also going to be Sam Ryder, the Presenters this year, Graham Norton is doing what Terry Wogan did back in 98. He's doing a bit of commentary, then going to be running on stage to do some presenting. We've got Hannah Waddingham as well. We've got lots of different people doing lots of different things. Uh, Claire Sweeney's doing the commentary for radio, I believe, or the red button commentary. So if you want a kind of Scouse version of uh, Eurovision commentary, she's your girl. So I think there's something for everyone this year. 
I love the fact Graham Norton's going to be running on the stage. It is absolutely the highlight piece of news for me. Plus the fact um, Sam Ryder and Kalush Orchestra being back because they're just so amazing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. And I think it's taken Graham a few years, I think, to make it his own. I think in the first few years, in 2009, when he started, it was a little bit like he was not sure of, you know, the way in which he was going to go. It was a little bit like Terry Wogan. And actually now he's kind of made it his own and he's got that right kind of, I think, tongue-in-cheek kind of element to it but also does give it the respect that I think it deserves as well. And I think his commentary last year was brilliant. And you could tell that they were genuinely elated and emotional at the fact that Sam Ryder was doing so well. And I like the fact that he wasn't too down on Ukraine winning. You know, Ukraine did have a good song. Um, it wasn't a surprise that they won, but I don't think it's politics. I think it was more a showing of solidarity. Do you think that Eurovision is getting more credibility in the UK? It used to be that a lot of people weren't really interested in the competition and would sort of roll their eyes if you said you were into it. I think credibility is growing for it. I think because it's, it's such a massive dramatic theatrical production with all the costumes and the designs, the wonderful Eurovision cheese, plus the quality music, plus the lyrics, the whole statement that some of the songs are making about well-being, mental health, we've got issues of representation coming out, is really meaningful for current generations, the next generation, and not just people like me who got into Eurovision through 1993 and Sonia, who's going to be back. That was the first one I remember. Um, so yeah, I think it's growing in credibility because of that. And I think people like yourself, Rochelle, doing these interviews and conversations and, and shining a light on why it's so important really help. Yeah, I completely agree with what Helen just said there. And I think um, 1993 was also the first year that I properly remember. It's one that I was allowed to watch all the way through. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, it certainly has improved over the years. The credibility, I think, is growing. And interestingly, there is a younger audience, particularly following out on social media, particularly TikTok. So it's interesting that Sam Ryder did so well last year, having that big following too. Um, and it's it's interesting that a lot of the critics who, you know, go for Eurovision they you know they really don't like it they criticize it every year but they're also the people who haven't necessarily watched it for the past you know five to ten years so it has changed and it has evolved and yes you get the odd silly song but in the main I think a lot of the music is reflective of contemporary music and I think that's to be welcomed let's go to the ads stay there to hear our rundown of the favorites of this year's competition as well as predictions for how well the UK entry will do There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. 
still with me are my Eurovision experts and superfans, Dr. Paul Jordan, aka Dr. Eurovision, and Professor Helen Julia Miners, head of the School of Arts at York St. John University. Right, onto the juicy bit now, the music itself for 2023. Who are the favourites of this year's competition and some of your personal favourites? Sweden's showing is a really hot favourite on a lot of the social media platforms, websites, certainly for the bookies. I just absolutely love the song and you know it's one of those where you sing and carry on it's called tattoo the singer Laurie won in in 2012 before but i think there's something about that electrifying pop and the conversation of representation plus the powerful voice that i just i've listened to it quite a lot there's some i put on repeat and there's some you just listen to once and then you might go back to but you might not and this one i have listened to quite a few times so i can see it's really strong i would hope ukraine would be a favorite again um, I think the song's excellent, actually. I think the music video is great. It's really clear. If you go by the criteria, and I'm a bit of a, a geek when it comes to criteria, absolutely meets everything that's expected. There isn't that standout cheesy moment for me that's a bit different that could be um on the top list. But I think Finland's probably up there. I know there's some conversations with different papers saying how important it is to be supporting Scandinavian countries for different political and united front reasons or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I'm really keen that Ukraine does really well, but I do love the Swedish song. I think, yeah, Sweden's going to be an interesting one to watch. And I don't know if it's the expectation because she's previously won or because of the song itself. I think the song is strong. I think the performance is striking. And that's what you need with Eurovision. You need the visuals as well. And you need something which is unusual and stands out. That's why Israel won. That's why Portugal won. Netherlands. So I think definitely it ticks all those boxes. I think Finland is going to be the one that gets a public vote, though. I think that's going to capture the imagination. It's um, it's very striking. It's quite catchy. And there's nothing else like it. And that's the thing. You need something that's really unusual. If we go for something classy, though, I think France is a very classy entry. Um, France haven't won since 1977. I'm not sure they're going to do it this year. They nearly won in 2021. I don't know. Yeah, I'm hoping also, in terms of a pop song, I think the UK entry is actually one of the best songs in the contest. It just depends depends on how it's staged, on her performance, you know, let's see how she performs live. And also coming right at the end, I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, to be honest, because I think after 25 songs before, you've got 26, people, I'm not sure if they're already filling up the snack bowls and putting on the kettle or opening the fizz. I'm not sure if people are going to be paying attention. Really hope I'm wrong, but that's also what the juries are for But if as it's well. a good visual performance as well, that could uh, really impact. I mean, the music video for that's amazing. The whole miniature aspect of the diner and then the larger aspect where she's inside that's amazing but the visual aspect for um sweden as well i think the whole change of space how that's going to be done live i'm really keen uh to see that really i mean our uk entry has, has got a wide fan base on tiktok could help yeah absolutely and i think that's where you see i mean sweden Lorene, you know you see her performance ability she really is an incredible artist and yeah i think you know with the uk this is like night and day compared to what we were having four or five years ago and um you know we've we've managed to turn a corner let's fingers crossed let's hope we do well and let's hope that encourages other artists to come forward because change does take time and we saw in the netherlands and germany and even sweden you know to get the the big artists involved and the big songwriters and record labels it does take time let's hope that we're on the start of that journey i think we're definitely start that journey i think though when you think about 
uh, the class acts that you said are something that uh, could be considered traditional, bringing traditional folk music in. So the performance Spain has achieved that really well with the flamenco rhythms and the movements and then fusing it with all the other things that are happening. It's really rich vocally as well. There's lots to explore, isn't it? It's like a sweet shop of different styles coming together. And uh, languages too, you know, a lot of countries now singing, they don't always choose English, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, most countries were, but now we're seeing a return to languages. Uh, we saw that Spain last year could do well, Portugal won in 2017 in Portuguese. So yeah. it doesn't always follow the rule, you have to sing an English language pop song. And that's refreshing, I think. How much does it matter about the on the day performance? I know Lorene, Sweden's entry with her song Tattoo, it's already a massive hit across Europe. How much is it down to the performance during the actual competition as opposed to the promotion and how it's done in the run up to it? It's a bit of a mixture, to be honest. I think certainly having that following and having that kind of uh, platform and that coverage doesn't hurt. I think it absolutely can help you. But it also does come down to the moment on the night. I mean, we've had big favourites before. Russia 2016, he was their biggest pop star, Sergei Lazarev. He didn't win, even though he won the public vote. Um, I think Italy 2017, that was a massive favourite. Francesco Gabbani with the Dancing Gorilla. You know, these were songs which were, everyone was saying, there's nothing else going to beat them. They are the winners. And they didn't win on the night and Italy didn't even come close. So I think it is that mixture of the build-up as well as the performance. And sometimes the build-up can put unrealistic expectations on the artist. I agree with you, Paul. If the build-ups put unrealistic expectations, how the visuals play out, how the dance moves and how the vocals live play out, it can completely destroy or make the performance. What is the official criteria that songs have to meet for Eurovision? Main main vocals have to be live. You're allowed pre-recorded backing vocals, but you're also not allowed more than six people on stage. So if you, I think part of the reason why they introduced that backing rule was to allow more dancers. It was actually brought in during lockdown or during Eurovision 2021 to limit the number of people on stage and delegations. But I think if you've got, you know, five backing dancers, that then limits you in terms of your capacity to have backing singers. Um, people tend not to be able to sing and dance well at the same time. Um, so I think it was mainly to produce better performances for the artists, really. I want to focus a bit more on May Muller now with her entry, I wrote a song. What do we think of the actual song and how well do you think it'll do? I think the lyrics are really clear. I think it's really rhythmic and powerful. The music video is really strong. So the thing for me that will make or break this is how that music video is then performed live because the visual aspects of the video adds to the narrative. Um, she's very gestural, really, really engaging with it. But I think just because we're hosting and it's in the UK and we've, as you say, the Ukrainian parties at our house, I do wonder whether that will benefit the voting as well. But you know, May Muller's got a TikTok fan base, a wide fan base already. So I think that's going to help. I genuinely think it's a good song. I agree with what Paul said earlier. It's a really strong song. The live performance of that will make or break how well it does for me. I don't know about you, Paul, what do you think? I, I agree with you, Helen. I think it's that, you know, trying to get that mixture of the jury and the public to like you and to vote for you. And I think the jury is if she's not good vocally they will not go for it um similarly it's about recreating that music video russia Very did well in 2016 um in terms of the song i think it's really empowering i think it's a really strong message um it's very much you know about you know solidarity empowerment female empowerment it's catchy and yeah i think um it's something to be proud of i just hope that it gets rewarded hoping for top 15 top 10 maybe even top five but the problem is at this stage i've heard the song so many times i lose sense of all sorts all sorts of um perspective really so uh i think yeah, i'm there is the same something... <laughs> i started thinking top 10 when i first heard it but when you listen to everything so much you so you just it becomes so 
second nature to hear it. Your, your brain's already got the end motif. I do like the empowering words to it, but it also makes me think of some of the empowering words in other songs. So Switzerland says we can make a change as they're going through. There's lots of that. This is the time to make a change. Yes, we've got a climate crisis. Yes, we've got a war. Let's do something about it. Let's not just sit and observe. And that it's like a call to change and not be passive. That is spread straight through and I think my Muller's song really does that justice. You can find out more about Eurovision on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from the leader. This podcast is back on Monday at 4 pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.